You are tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The following program is a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill. Welcome to the Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you're a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt. My name is Michael O'Neill. I am the Miracle Hunter and the creator of the website MiracleHunter.com. I'll be your host for the next hour as we continue our weekly exploration of the world of miracles. Now, for today's program, we will be discussing one of my favorite miracle stories, and that is the 1842 conversion of the wealthy Jewish atheist Alphonse Redesbaum. We'll find out how the wearing of the miraculous medal changed his life in a dramatic way. And we will be talking with a very special guest, author Norman Russell, who will be joining us all the way from Liverpool, England. His book is entitled The Conversion of Monsieur Marie-Alphonse Radisbon, and later in the program, we'll be joined by Father Oscar Lucifer, the rector of the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal in Perryville, Missouri. He'll be giving us the history of the Miraculous Medal and talking about the beautiful shrine there. Now, the Miraculous Medal is a devotion that's very near and dear to my heart, literally. I have been wearing one of these medals uh, for years now, and it certainly keeps ever-present my relationship with the Mother of God. The latest and smallest miracle that I can attribute to that medal is that when my infant son is crying in my arms, sometimes it is the only thing, him grasping that medal, that brings him any peace, or me any peace, as it turns out as well. So I am grateful for that small miracle. And of course, in just a bit, we'll be asking you a Catholic trivia question, so get your pens and paper ready. Later in the show, we'll be talking about how Our Lady is honored around the world on today in our segment, 365 Days with Mary. More information on this project can be found at 365dayswithmary.com or on Facebook. 365 Days with Mary. So let's turn to Miracle News, and this week in Miracle News, we have the blockbuster story that hit the Internet this week, and that is that the Vatican Commission has concluded, it's finally concluded, uh, the investigation regarding the famous long-running reported Marian apparitions in Medjugorje, in Bosnia-Herzegovina. And of course, these apparitions have been reported from the year 1981, so they've been going on well over 30 years. This recent commission uh, was begun in 2010, and there have been news leaks over the last few years saying that it was nearing its end. But finally, it is true. The commission has ended. Now, in a statement, the director of the Holy See Press Office, Father Federico Lombardi, he confirmed on Saturday that the International Commission investigating the events in Medjugorje held its last meeting on January 17th. The commission, created by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, is presided over by Cardinal Camilo Ruini. The commission had reportedly completed its work and will submit the outcomes of its study to the congregation. Now, you're all wondering, what's the final verdict? Well, I wish I knew. Uh, We still have to wait for the CDF or the Pope uh, to issue a declaration based on this report. Unfortunately, that may take some more years and may never come in the end. So stay connected with MiracleHunter.com for updates on the latest developments on this case. To keep up to date with the latest in Miracle News, please visit MiracleHunter.com and sign up for our newsletter. 
you'll receive a monthly email with the latest Miracle Hunter news, including reports on the latest miracles and news stories, links to past radio episode podcasts, updates on my television series, Miracle Hunters, now in development, and my book, Hunting for a Miracle, due out in fall 2014, any upcoming speaking engagements, and much, much more. So sign up for the newsletter on MiracleHunter.com by clicking the newsletter link at the bottom of the page. And we'll be turning to the mailbag, or the email inbox, as it were, for something recently sent to us at questions at MiracleHunter.com. We received an email message from Luz, who writes, Dear Miracle Hunter, I would like to know what is the exact position of the Catholic Church in regards to the Marian apparitions at Garabandal, Spain. Your website has Garabandal posted under unapproved apparitions and marks it as not established as supernatural, as opposed to negative decision. What's the difference between the two? So that's pretty interesting. There's a couple of questions that are folded into that into that email. And uh, I do receive many questions about Garabandal, and that's probably one of the most popular emails that I get uh, from time to time. Now, there have been many official church statements about Garabandal, which was an apparition that occurred in the 1950s and 60s in Spain. Um, the most recent of these uh, statements from the church is from a 1993 uh, letter by Bishop Monsignor José Villaplana, of Santander, Spain, in which he recounts the history of all the previous statements, all saying not established as supernatural. So, if you do have interest in this case, you should go to the website miraclehunter.com, and you can find the latest statement, and that summarizes all the previous statements. And you find that by clicking on the discernment tab on the website. (laughs) Now, there are three categories that are used by the Church. One is established as supernatural, which is the approved category. The second one is established as not supernatural, that's the negative category. And the third one is not established as supernatural, which is the wait and see category. Now, Garibondo falls into that third category. On MiracleHunter.com, there's a classification called unapproved, and that's sort of a category that I've created to help people understand where these various apparitions lie. Now, that category lists apparitions from the negative, established as not supernatural designation, as well as the wait-and-see category of not established as supernatural. So it contains both of those. There's a separate page dedicated to the approved apparitions. Now, the the notes in the third column indicate whether or not it belongs to category 2 or 3 and links to the statement where available. So, again, Garabandal falls into that third category, not established as supernatural. So, Lewis, you are correct. Garabandal has not been condemned, but the Church has repeatedly said, and this is in a number of statements over many years, that they can't find anything supernatural about it, however, and there is no movement, as far as I am aware, to re-examine the case. Nonetheless, if you look at videos of Garabandal, there are some pretty interesting supposed miraculous events that occurred, and the testimonies are quite interesting. So I do understand why people believe in it and wonder where it stands, but as I said, the Church has over and over said that there's nothing established as supernatural in that case. So thank you, Luz, for that great question. 
And I encourage you to send the Miracle Hunter a question by emailing questions at miraclehunter.com. Now, we're, it's time for Catholic Pub Trivia, and each week I'll be asking a trivia question and giving out a prize for a caller that gets the right answer. As in past weeks, this week we'll be giving away a framed image of a piece of artwork entitled The Faces of Mary. It's a photo mosaic of over 100 images of Our Lady that forms a large, beautiful picture of the Madonna and Child, and when you step back, you really see it clearly. Uh, Trivia questions are generously provided by Catholic Pub Trivia. Now, it's an organization that partners with Catholic parishes, schools, or religious organizations to host Trivia Night fundraisers at local establishments. For those listeners in the Chicago area, uh, we've got some events coming up, so please stay tuned to CatholicPubTrivia.com. And for more information on Catholic Pub Trivia or to organize an event in your area, please visit CatholicPubTrivia.com. And we always try to keep the questions related to the theme of the day's program. So today we'll be discussing uh, the Madonna del Miracolo, which is in a Marian apparition from 1842. So today's question is, Name the three famous apparitions that occurred in France from the years 1830 to 1858. Again, that question is, name the three famous Marian apparitions that occurred in France from 1830 to 1858. And we will reveal the winner later in the show. Remember, for more information on Catholic Pub Trivia or to organize an event in your area, please visit CatholicPubTrivia.com. Now, I'm just being informed that we have a caller with the answer to the trivia question. Again, the trivia question was, name the three famous Marian apparitions that occurred in France from 1830 to 1858. Linda, are you online? Uh, Yes, I am. Uh And where are you calling from, Linda? Uh, Texas. Texas. Well, welcome to the program today. Thanks for calling in. Uh, what would you say your answer is to what are those three famous apparitions? Um, I was thinking the first one is um, to Captain Lagaray, the Miraculous Medal on Bruce Bach in Paris. That's correct. Uh, oh, okay. And then the other one uh, to Bernadette, St. Bernadette at Lourdes. Yep. And yep. then the last one is the Our Lady of Dissolette. That's correct. Uh, so those three, uh, in order, were the Miraculous Medal in Rudebach, France, in 1830, Our Lady of La Salette in 1846, and Our Lady of Lourdes in 1858. So that's correct, Linda. Thanks so much for calling in. And uh, we'll get your information and send you out the prize of the image of the Faces of Mary. Thanks so much for calling in. Oh, thank you. I love your program. Thanks so much. So we have a winner for for Catholic Pub Trivia. Linda called in with the correct answer, and very happy uh, to hear that she got that correct. So we'll be sending her out the prize, the image of our faces of Mary. For today, January 21st, we celebrate the feast of La Virgen de Alta Gracia, which is Our Lady of High Grace from the Dominican Republic. Be sure to visit the Project 365 Days with Mary on Facebook and online at 365dayswithmary.com to find out more about La Virgen de Altagracia or any of the hundreds of other Marian titles celebrated around the world. This is Michael O'Neill, and you are listening to the Miracle Hunter Radio Show. And for more information on this program or on my research on miracles, please visit MiracleHunter.com. And now we'll be turning our attention to 
the miraculous medal, the most famous of miracles attributed to the wearing of this medal, is that of the conversion of Alphonse Radisbon. Joining us today is author Norman Russell. His book is entitled The Conversion of Marie Alphonse Radisbon. He is calling all the way from Liverpool, England. Welcome to the program, Norman. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Michael. Yes, I know you're calling from a very long distance, so we're, we're happy to have you on the program today. Uh, thank you. Now, now of course, we're, we're celebrating uh, the, the, uh, the event of the conversion of Marie Alphonse Radisbon. It's one of the most famous miracles in the history of the Church. And you have a book that details uh, the events of this conversion. Um, now, this, your book is a translation of the French text, correct? The first since the early 19th century? Yes, that's right. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the original uh, Baron de Boussier's account of uh, this, this uh, conversion? How did, the, how did this original document come to be? Well, what happened was that uh, Marie Alphonse Ratisbonne, uh, who, as you know, was uh, a member of a, a famous banking family in Alsace, decided that he would go on uh, a sort of world tour. Um, and this involved going mainly to Italy, which rich young men in those days did. Um, when he got there, um, some kind of inner compulsion um, caused him to, to go to Rome. He had landed at Nice, and there was having a good time there, but some inner compulsion made him go to Rome. And there he knew the family of Baron de Boutier, who was also a banker, and also came originally from Alsace. De Boutsier himself was uh, a convert to the Catholic faith uh, from a Protestant denomination. And when he met this young man, he decided that he would uh, convert him if he could. But it can, was you a very us, can, you tell us, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Ratisbon's background as far as he was a banker, uh, he was Jewish, and he came from a wealthy background? What? What, can, what do we know about his attitudes toward Catholicism, for example? He was bitterly opposed uh, to the whole of the Catholic religion. One reason was that his, one of his brothers, called Theodore, uh, had converted to the Catholic faith and had, in fact, uh, become a priest. And this, uh, you know, angered him very much. One reason was that while he had no religious feelings at all, he, he, he wasn't a religious man, he wasn't a religious Jew, but he was very much concerned for the, the wretched state of uh, the poorer classes of Jewish people in Europe. He did a lot to try to alleviate their poverty and so on, but he was bitterly opposed to the Catholic Church. So it was, it was sort of this uh, opposition to Catholicism that brought him in conversation with his friend, the fellow banker, and they began to uh, discuss the, uh, con his conversion and, uh, and what happened next. Well, what happened was that um, Marie Alphonse decided that he must move away from Rome and get, get back onto his tour. He was going to Constantinople, but Baron de Boussier um, gave him a challenge. 
He said, look, if you are so uh, anti-Catholic, uh, if I ask you to wear this medal around your neck, it's not going to uh, affect you in the least, is it? And he gave him a copy of the Miraculous Medal on a chain. And although he was, uh, Ratchis Bomb was, you know, a bit vexed at this, he was good-humored enough to say it very well. I'll wear it, and uh, it will have not the slightest effect on me. And so he wore this copy of the Miraculous Medal. Yeah. Then he had a dream one night, some days after, in which he saw the image familiar to Catholics on the reverse of the medal, the strange cross and the letter M. He couldn't, in his mind, make out what it was, but it was the beginning of a kind of impulse, you know, to um, go back to Boussier and continue to meet him, even in spite of himself. And it was really uh, that particular incident uh, that made him, um, you know, uh, pay a visit to a certain church in Rome where he underwent the amazing instant conversion, showing the power of God, of course, but also the great power of our Blessed Lady. So when he entered, when he entered that church, and, and the name of it again is Santa Maria... That's right, Santa Maria delle Frate, a Saint Andrew in the fields, yeah. means of course. And so, and when he entered the entered the church, what happened next? What was what was the sequence? What happened was there? this: uh, Baron de Boussier wanted to call at the monastery next door just to leave a message. He was only gone ten minutes. This was on the twentieth of January, eighteen forty-two. Uh, Marie Alphonse Ratisbonne went into the church. I'm sorry, I called it Santa Maria, Sant'Andrea, Sant'Andrew della Frate. He went in, and he had been there about two minutes when all the light seemed to drain from the building and concentrate itself in one small chapel to the side of the, of the church. And when he looked into the light in the chapel, he saw Our Lady standing above the altar. And what he saw was in fact the same image as it appeared in 1830 to St. Catherine Labore when she was given the, um, the privilege of seeing the Miraculous Medal. Yes. It was the same with the rays of power coming from Our Lady's hands. He could not see above her hands. He tried to raise his head, but was not able to look any further. Now, the only words he heard were a command to kneel and he knelt down and she said that is well in French they, they were the only words he heard his friend Baron Boussier came back into the church and found Marie Alphonse prostrate on the ground absolutely overwhelmed by what he had said he thought he'd had a fit or a seizure <laughs> and he sure. said to him uh, what, what, what was happened and later he was able to when he became coherent he was able to say of Our Lady she said nothing else to me but I understood all I understood all the whole of our holy faith was just revealed to him in an instant all its doctrines and its beliefs and he believed them too it was 
as you said at the beginning of the interview, it was a, a most one of the greatest miracles that uh, the church has ever ever witnessed. That's right. Now what? And so, was, what did what did he do? What did he do next? He he had this amazing event, this conversion. What was yes. his next? How did how did that affect his life going forward? Because he was an an atheist at the time and a non-believer. So, what did he do from that moment on? From that moment on, he devoted his life entirely to the Catholic Church. He had been engaged to his own niece, a girl of 16. He broke off that engagement. He went to join his brother who had become a priest in Paris. And from there, he went in the following year, 1843. He founded the Sisterhood of Our Lady of Zion. Um, he was ordained priest in 1847. And then he, in 1855, he and the sisterhood went out to Jerusalem and settled there in a convent which he built called Ece Homo. Behold the man. It is still there and it still does great charitable work. And of course he stayed there until his death in Jerusalem on the 6th of May, 1884. And that, uh, that particular order or congregation is dedicated to the conversion of the Jews, is that correct? That is right, and that is, of course, was what he hoped to do, having, um, you know, supported and sustained the poorer um, uh, Jewish people uh, in his own country. He now uh, set out to convert them, to convert them to the faith. His brother had converted, several friends, too, had converted to to the Catholic religion. And this is what he devoted himself to all those years out there in, in Jerusalem, in the Holy Land. And he made many con converts. Um, he opened a trade school and an ordinary school for boys and girls. Uh, they're still there. They still flourish. Uh, and that was the sort of legacy. I was about to say it was Ratisbon's legacy, which is, of course, one of the legacies of Our Blessed Lady. Yeah, you know, who intervenes in human life in these these ways to those who are willing to listen to her. That's right. Now, shall I mention about uh, how I came to do the translation very briefly? Yes, please. Oh. I, I would I would love to hear that. Um, and 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 uh, just before we get into that, can you can you touch on a little bit about the political situation in France at the time of the conversion? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, it was as you know a time of. Um, of great uncertainty and political uh, revolution. There had been a revolution in 1830. There was to be an even greater, more dangerous one in 1848, the, the year of revolutions in Europe. Um, so that there was this um, feeling um, of disquiet and uh, instability everywhere. And it was in conditions like that, particularly in France, where I'm particularly interested in, uh, that Our Lady uh, would in, in, uh, intervene in human affairs, you say. Yes. In, in, the in the introduction to your book, you mentioned that you have a great interest or affinity in the apparitions of Our Lady in France. I, I noticed yes. that you, you mentioned that, yes. Yeah, that's right. Starting, of course, with what uh, many regard as the beginning of the modern Marian era on the 18th of July, 1830, when... Uh, Our Lady appeared to St. Catherine Labore uh, yeah. in, uh, in, in Paris. 
some years later, 1846, again at La Salette. You yeah. know, the, 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 those children, the boy and girl, were warned of the wrath to come, told to observe Sunday and so on. Then, notably, uh, in Lourdes, 1858, yeah. and then um, in, pa in a place in France, Pontmain, in 1871, this was a, an apparition more personal to France itself. It had no message for the greater world. You know, not until then, 1917 at Fatima, did you get Our Lady making that great, wonderful message to the world. Correct. And so it, you have you have this great love for Our, Our Lady and her apparitions in France. How did you uh, take on this project of this translation? What inspired you to 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 go forward with that? Well, I found that there were doing the rounds. There were uh, two very very poor imprints uh, which you could get through the internet and that they were badly printed pages missing but uh, this was you know a uh, debussier's account yeah. so i got on to um a famous book searcher in england here in manchester who can find you any book you want as long as you give him time uh, and a little <laughs> bit of money <laughs> and he, <laughs> he found a lovely edition for me of the original, well, the second edition of 1842 of Baron de Boussier's account. And when it came, it was a lovely little fragile paperback, believe it or not, good thin green paper cover, but perfect and undamaged uh, from 1842 onward. And, uh, of course, I, I'm obviously fluent in French. I sat down yes. with dictionaries and so on, and from that text, which I knew to be an authentic text, uh, I produced my edition of the book, which has got uh, de Boussier's account, it's got uh, Alphonse Stratisbon's own account, of course, yes. and other documents, um, you know, connected with the, the, the whole subject, really. Uh, I produced a facsimile edition, and as far as I know, it is the only fully annotated edition, you know, uh, I think hundreds of notes I, I did on, you know, uh, what some of the, trans the words mean, what some of the historical background was, and so on. Sure. And I did it as an expoto in honor of, of Our Lady, really. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's a, a beautiful account, and uh, it's wonderful to have it in English, uh, which is hard to find. Uh, so, so we're all grateful that, that you've done that. And uh, what other what other writing projects have you uh, worked on recently, or what what would you like to share with our audience about what you're what you're up to now? Well, at the moment, I'm uh, making. I have, in fact, just completed a further translation. This time of um, a series of letters from Saint Therese de Lisieux uh, to two young seminarians. Um, uh, who wanted her to be their spiritual sister, uh, which, which she did become. And again, I produced an, um, an edition similar in form to the, uh, the, the Ratisbon book from the same publisher, Grosvenor House Publishing here in England. And um, it's got lovely illustrations uh, provided by the, the convent, the, the Carmel at, at Lysia for me. And I hope that that will be out February or or March. I am, in fact, um, a novelist. I, I, I write thrillers. I've had 17 novels published. But this, uh, this, this, this work which I do, translating devotional works from French, is something that uh, 
is taking over more and more, you know, in my, sure. my interests and activities. Well, it's, it's wonderful what you've written, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us today and telling the story of Alphonse Radisbon. And uh, as, as we said earlier in the program, this is one of Catholicism's greatest miracles. And so uh, we do appreciate you set, shedding some light on that. And your book is entitled The Conversion of Monsieur Marie Alphonse Radisbon, and that's available online or at bookstores around the, the nation. So thanks so much, yes. uh, Norman, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. And that was the fascinating account of the famous miraculous metal conversion of Alphonse Radisbon in 1842. Uh, we thank Norman for joining us on the program this is Michael O'Neill, and you are listening to the Miracle Hunter Radio Show. And for more information on the program or my research on miracles, please visit MiracleHunter.com. Now, next up on the program, we are delighted to have the rector of the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal, Father Oscar Lukafa. Thank you for joining us today, Father. You're welcome. It's good to be with you. Great, and so um, we just had a fascinating interview with uh, a translator of the famous account of uh, Radisbon's conversion, and uh, that is all due to the miraculous medal, and we're glad that you can join us today to shed a little light on the miraculous medal story and how it all began. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about the story of St. Catherine Labore and, and how those apparitions influenced her to uh, create the miraculous medal? I would just first mention that Norman said that he had written, what, 17 novels? That's correct. It'd be hard to find a better plot than the conversion <laughs> of uh, Alphonse Radisbon. That's right, that's right. It's one of the greatest story. stories, yeah. And, of course, that goes back to the Miraculous Medal. Uh, Mary appeared to St. Catherine Labouret, who was at the time just a novice, a new member, trying out the Daughters of Charity in Paris. And Mary asked, Catherine to have a medal made, a medal of Mary's own design. And that medal, at first, well, Catherine went to her spiritual director, Father Aladell, and he said something like, yeah, right. Uh, he was a, a very careful man, and here's this simple farm girl age 24, just entered the convent, saying that Mary had appeared to her and asked her to have a medal made. But Catherine told Father Aladell over a period of two years so many things that were foretold by Mary that actually happened that finally Father Aladell went to the Archbishop of Paris, who said, sounds wonderful to have a, miracle, uh, a medal made in, in this likeness, and that's how the medal came to be. And of course it became the most famous Catholic medal in circulation, and it still is today. Um, quite, quite an amazing, amazing story there. And what, what can you tell us a little bit about uh, St. Catherine Labouret, a little bit more on her background, or, or how, how the apparitions came about for her? I suppose one of the things that makes the Miraculous Medal miraculous is the background from which it came. Of course, you had the French Revolution in the 1790s when tens of thousands of citizens were guillotined and countless numbers of priests and nuns were martyred. And then the, the Napoleonic years, when Napoleon's wars just devastated much of Europe, 
And Napoleon himself tried to get control of the Pope, of the papacy. There were a lot of Catholics who felt that Catholicism was, was finished, and so many people who were anti-Catholic were gloating that the Church was doomed and that Pius VII would have been the last Pope. That's the background. Now, somehow or another, Catherine's family, a farming family, survived the French Revolution. Catherine herself was born in 1806 and worked on the farm. Her mother died young, and Catherine had to sort of take over the running of the farm when she was only about 12 years old. And she was seen picking up a statue of Mary and telling Mary that now you will be my mother. She had a great devotion to Mary, was a very holy young lady, and entered the convent at age 24. And Mary appeared to her. It, that was in, uh, eight, well, first Mary appeared on July 18th, the night of July 18th, 19th, 1830, and told Catherine that she had a mission for her and that she would suffer much, but God would be with her. And then on November 27th, Mary appeared to Catherine and gave her the pattern for the medal. It took about two years for Father Aladell to be convinced that the medal was genuine. And the first medals were struck in 1832. 1,500 of them were snapped up immediately. Another 20,000 were produced and, again, immediately snapped up. It was so amazing that people wanted this medal. When the church had been through such terribly difficult times. And in a period of about 10 years, tens of millions of medals spread throughout Europe and into the United States. It's just so, it's miraculous in itself. There was a priest who was, I can't recall his name now, but a priest who was ordained, I believe it was in 1836 here in the United States. And he had the image of the miraculous medal on his ordination card. So the fact that this medal, tens of millions of medals, some people say up to 100 million medals in 10 years could spread throughout the world is truly miraculous. And so many miracles of healing occurred and miracles of conversion like that of Alphonse Radisbon that people would take the medal, which was originally called the Medal of the Immaculate Conception, and say, here, they would give it to friends and say, here, take this miraculous medal. And that became the popular name of the medal that Mary designed. Sure. Yeah, that, that is a miracle, like you say, in and of itself, that it spread around the world the way it did. And, of course, uh, the shrine that you're the rector of, the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal, uh, arose here in the United States as a result of that devotion. And as far as I understand, it was first built uh, 100 years uh, to the anniversary of the apparition in France. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal? Well, it goes back to a church that was built here in Perryville in the 1830s. Interestingly, it was built at the very time that the medal was spreading throughout Europe, and it became the parish church for... uh, Perryville, Missouri, the Catholic Perryville, Missouri. I was born on a farm outside of Perryville. I was baptized at the Shrine Church 
made my first communion there, and so on, as did many other uh, Catholics of my time. But in 1918, some seminarians here, and I'm, I need to back up a little bit, the Vincentian presence, that is the presence of the Vincentian priests and brothers, and we go back to St. Vincent de Paul, their presence here in this area goes back to 1818, when people of the area asked Vincentian priests to come here and offered them land so they could build a seminary. This was done, and there were seminarians here from 1818 on. In about 1918, 100 years after they first got here, some seminarians decided to form an association of the Miraculous Medal to promote devotion to Our Lady the Miraculous Medal. Father Joseph Finney of Incension became director of this association, and by 1930, 100 years after the apparition itself, this shrine was dedicated in honor of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. And That's that is beautiful. Two- and, what, and what can you tell us a little bit about... Uh, the shrine itself, if a pilgrim were wanting to come to visit the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal, what would they encounter? What uh, what would they see when they arrived? Well, they'd see a beautiful church that has been on the site since eight, the 1830s. When they enter the church, they will see just an absolutely beautiful church that's been kept up very well, and as you walk in the church walk down the aisle to the right, you will see this beautiful shrine of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. I would point out that anyone can go online and take a virtual tour of the church. And you can see the beauty of the church even online. By the way, there is a painting of Mary's appearance to Alphonse Radisbon at the very entrance of the shrine itself. And there's that relationship of Mary, her appearance to St. Catherine Labouret, and the many miracles that followed that, including the conversion of St. Alphonse. So people are always welcome here. The church is open from sunrise to sunset. It's easy enough to find. Perryville is on Highway 55 on exit 129. And uh, if you go to our website, you can get directions to get here, but anybody in Perryville could tell you how to get here. Our website is www.a mm for association of the miraculous metal dot org and you can find a great deal about the association and about the miraculous metal and as i said take a virtual tour of the shrine itself and what can you tell us about the association of the miraculous metal what what is what is that how can a person join that the best way would be to just go to the website and uh, you will find instructions there about how to become a member of the association. The association has several hundred thousand members throughout the United States and and the world, and we promote devotion to Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. Our mission really is to bring people to Jesus through Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, and people who are members of the association are invited to pray to Our Lady, to trust in her intercession, to draw closer to Jesus, to wear the Miraculous Medal, or to carry it, and in this way to bring others to Jesus through Mary. That's wonderful. And the and the two big feast days, uh, November twenty seventh, of course, which is the official feast day of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, and 
July 18th is a commemoration of the apparition. Uh, what, what, what events go on uh, during those days? Well, we have a series of masses for members every month, but our special observance is for the, the Feast of the Miraculous Medal itself on the 27th of no, November. We have a, a, a mass in honor of Our Lady and pray for members and invite any members who wish to come to be present at that Mass. Now, it's important to know that we have daily Mass here at the Shrine. I offer Mass at the Shrine when I'm, when I'm in town. Uh, our, on Monday Eve, our Monday Mass, we have a Miraculous Mental Novena and Mass at 7.15 in the evening, and then Tuesday through Saturday we have Mass at 8 o'clock every morning. There's a Sunday Mass at 11 o'clock in the morning, all Central Time. And visitors are always welcome to participate, and we're very happy to have visitors in from from all around the country, whether they're members or not. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Father. You've really shed a lot of light on one of the great miracles of the Catholic Church and the great devotion to Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. Thanks for joining us on today's program, and I hope that anyone devoted to Our Lady with the Miraculous Medal of Devotion will be interested in making a shrine you're making a pilgrimage to your shrine of the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal. Thank you, and uh, since you are a, a, a miracle hunter, uh, I would just like to point out that uh, uh, when Mary appeared to St. Bernadette at Lourdes, St. Bernadette was wearing a Miraculous Medal, and of course the miracles at Lourdes are so well uh, testified to in uh, medical evidence and so on. So there's just the connection there that's a beautiful thing to see how Mary just keeps reaching out to people and calling them closer to Jesus. So thank you for making this available, this knowledge available to so many people. Great. Thanks for being here, Father. We certainly appreciate it. And that was uh, Father Oscar uh, Lukafa from the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal in Perryville, with, uh, Missouri. Uh, and I recommend anybody uh, with this devotion to visit the shrine and information on that shrine can be found on their website, amm.org. And that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank our guest, author Norman Russell, uh, calling in all the way from Liverpool, England, and Father Oscar Lukafa of the National Shrine of the Miraculous Medal for joining us on the show. For more information on that incredible miracle, the conversion of Alphonse Radisbon, or on the apparitions to of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal to Catherine Labore, please visit MiracleHunter.com. Next week, we'll be discussing the green scapular devotion and its miraculous origins in an apparition to Sister Justina Busque-Baru. On, Jan- on February 7th and 8th, I'll be giving three talks at a retreat run by Our Sorrowful Mother's Ministries in Vandalia, Illinois. Uh, that's in southern Illinois, very close to St. Louis. For more information on attending this retreat, please visit osmm.org. Be sure to visit MiracleHunter.com as your resource for miracles and keep up to date with how Our Lady is honored around the world at 365dayswithmary.com. Thanks so much for joining me on The Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt.
You are tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill.